0: A few weeks ago, I asked a couple of teenagers whom they would defer to always, regardless of the situation. Whose authority would they just trust, even if it seemed uh, odd, even if it seemed even counterproductive, counterintuitive? And I asked a young man and I asked a young woman. The young man said his, his mother, the young woman said her father. Maybe that's kind of interesting. Here's the thing, I don't believe them. Okay, maybe to a point, maybe there's a big decision coming up and and a teenager would, would go to his or her parents for advice and maybe even put a lot of weight on that, more perhaps than what he or she had been thinking on his or her own. but there's a line somewhere. And maybe we have to use the absurd to illustrate it, but so be it. So let's, let's say that a, a mother or a father of a teenager says, well, really the best way to get schools to notice you in your junior and senior years, colleges, to notice you is a lot of truancy. And you got to have really bad grades, and you, you, you want to you get at least one DUI or larceny or possession charge on your record by the time you graduate. That's how you're going to get into a good school. Well, of course, the teenager's not going to listen to that. And if the teenager does end up doing those things, it won't be because they actually believed it was going to get into a, a good school. The parents aren't going to say that. Hopefully your parents never said that. If you have children, you're not going to say that to your parents. That's not the point, though. The point is, if that would have been the advice, would it have been followed? The answer is no, which means we have a lack of absolute trust. And frankly, that's a good thing when we're dealing with fallible human beings who can and do err. We don't have absolute trust. But... Listen to how Jesus prayed from Luke 22, 39 through 46. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. So just a few verses in there, but Jesus instructs his disciples to pray twice in almost identical ways. But there's one little difference, one word difference in English that reflects a a different nuance. So verse 40 uh, 40 said, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Pray that you will not fall into temptation. But 46 is pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And I think, if you think about this, you, you know what the difference is. Even if you can't express it in grammatical terms, I think you know what the difference is. So the first one, pray that you will not fall into temptation. That's the what. That's what you are praying for. That's the, the content of the prayer. The actual request is that, I don't fall into this temptation. And that's, well, that's important because we know how temptations end very often. With every conflict, there's temptation. There's temptation toward hostility or to be condescending. Why didn't you get your work done? Right, and I get my work done because I've been busy picking up your slack. That's why I didn't get my work done. With every success, with every uh, achievement, comes temptation. The temptation is to make it about you. So it's not about delivering a quality product, quality service. It's not about let's get the world to notice what the creator's creatures can do, can accomplish, it just becomes about you. So there's temptation all around. And and yeah, we know how it ended for Jesus. For Jesus, temptation always ended the same way. Jesus is standing above the temptation, victorious. But we know that for us... Temptation often does end with us putting something else before God. So what do you pray for? Not falling into temptation. You pray for that. But then verse 46 is why you should pray. Pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Now the focus is a little bit different. Now we're saying prayer is ineffective. effective means of preventing falling into temptation. So it's not just a, a wish, it is a strategy. So if we were to, to rephrase both of these, verse 40 and 46, and substitute something for the word pray to help differentiate them, we could use, uh, we could use ask and act. So first is ask, ask that you not fall into temptation and then act, so that you not fall into temptation. And the action is prayer. According to James in uh, chapter five, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. God gives you the line of communication that is prayer. He expects you to use it. It's powerful. Of course, Jesus is instructing, he's telling his disciples, in this case, very close apostles, what they should do. They should pray. He's telling them that. But he's not above it himself. He goes and leads by example then. He goes and prays. So verse 42, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. So what can we learn from Jesus' prayer, his very personal prayer. Well, how about that? That it is personal. Prayer is personal. Don't forget that Jesus was a human being, Jesus was a man. I'm afraid that sometimes we, we rush to the divine, just rush to the divine. So that is similar to downplaying the financial struggles or setbacks of a wealthy person. Oh, you were just above the threshold for the COVID relief payments? I feel so sorry for you. We're kind of downplaying their struggles, right? Or, or it's, like, um, it's like undermining the shin splints of a high school athlete because you're looking at or you know someone who's looking at cancer. We undermine their struggles. Don't rush to the divine. Oh, yeah, he's God though. He can resist a little temptation. It's fine. Well, he is the son of God. He's the son of man. He felt this. This was very real. He, he endured the tension, the gravity of knowing anticipating what was coming so in that moment his raw personal prayer was father I don't want this I don't want this ordeal of misery of pain of torture of death I don't want it so you can pray that way very personally your God is near He's he's with you. He's not far off somewhere. And that's one of the themes of the Old Testament that emerges, that God is here. Especially in comparison to the false gods of the foreign nations. Those gods were just distant. I mean, the best you could hope for is that they kind of leave you alone. You you do your sacrifices, whatever else you're supposed to do, acts of service to these, these false gods and They'll leave you alone. They might throw you a bone or two. Not going to be real involved in your life. They're not going to pay attention to daily struggles. But the Lord, the God of heaven, is that. He is going to pay attention to your daily struggles. He wants you to pray for daily bread. And he wants you to pray for deliverance from evil. All kinds of evil, even the the, the evil of bodily harm? He wants you to cast your anxiety on him in humility so that he will lift you up at the proper time. So whatever's on your mind, it's not too great. It's not too small for our God. Prayer is personal. Uh, The proper time is not always my time. So Jesus showed that he was about his father's business when he prayed, Your will be done. Your will. So prayer is selfless. Prayer is selfless. Your will be done. Prayer is selfless. is it? Is it? I mean, how many of our prayers start with, Lord, give me, Lord, just let me, Lord, help me, yeah, 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 but pastor, you just said that God wants to hear the very personal desires of our hearts, that we should pray that way, yes, yes, indeed, but do you then do what Jesus did, say what Jesus did, your will be done. Well, I know you say it, it's in the Lord's Prayer, but when you get to that part, do you mean it? Your will be done. Well, Jesus did. He was all about his father's business. His primary focus was always that. His father's will be done. So, they said it. The teenagers said it, but I don't believe them. I believe it with Jesus. He really was going to defer to his father's authority and will and plan no matter what it was going to be. He was going to do that. That's different for humans. We struggle to get past trust but verify. Uh, I think Reagan popularized that phrase originally, a Russian proverb, but trust but verify. That's, that's the human mentality, trust but verify, which really is just a euphemism for don't trust fully, just, just don't. Uh, we can see this in children. Children get to a point pretty early in life where they trust but verify they don't have absolute obedience. They know deep down the veggies are going to make them bigger, strong later. Or if they don't know that, they know they're going to be in trouble if they don't eat them. So there's some level of connection that drives the obedience. There's some level of, okay, I, I get this. So that's why I'm going to do it. It's not just, you said it, I'm doing it. That is very hard for humans. That absolute trust without verifying. But that was Jesus' level of trust. And yet his mission was, what was his mission? His mission was to spring his own trap, uh, do nothing while wicked men told lies about him in court and planned and executed his murder, really, and um, proclaimed as a state-sanctioned execution, but murder. So in that moment, his prayer was, Father, I would very much like not to do this, but only if we're still going to accomplish the salvation of mankind. So that's selfless. That's selfless. So try it. Try it tonight. Prayer, powerful action. We're asking God for help. He can do things. And pray like he is your best friend and like he is in the room with you, like he is, has all the time in the world just for, for you. But pray selflessly. Your will be done. Pray knowing that although you can't see everything that God is up to, it's all good. And, and pray to be a part of it, a part of the, the good things that God is doing, the furthering of his kingdom. And of course, while we're talking about prayer, how can we forget uh, Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. What Jesus had to do for you is equal to what you have done for Jesus. It's, it's nothing. It's zero. It's zero. But yet he went through the great anguish, the weight of the world's sin for you. So ponder that as you're praying tonight and on subsequent days. And we're going to do that. We're going to pray right now and uh, after our prayer we'll conclude with uh, the evening prayer that Martin Luther wrote hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Almighty and merciful God, may our selfless acts, may your selfless acts, inspire our core beings so that your glory is our highest goal and so that the world around us might see less of us and more of you. And we join together in prayer. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, Through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. Forgive me all my sins, and graciously keep me this night. Into your hands I commend my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. May the love of the Lord Jesus draw us to himself. May the power of the Lord Jesus make us strong to do his will. May the peace of the Lord Jesus fill our lives.